Good evening and welcome to another episode of Audie's Oddities. As always, my name is Audie and I'm here to tell you about the spooky and scary shit happening in our world. Grab a tea or a coffee because we're going to talk about some real life shit for a minute before we get into this episode. As you may have noticed, last week I didn't post an episode and that's because my life been crazy, y'all. Currently, as some of you may know, I'm in a production of Sweeney Todd. That has taken up a lot of my nighttime freedom. And I'm also currently working at the one, the only, Spirit Halloween. And if you've ever worked there before, or if you've never worked there, I'm going to tell you. The first week of working at Spirit Halloween is just setting up the store, which means you're exhausted, you're tired, and if you live in Georgia like I do, you're hot as fuck. So needless to say, I didn't have a lot of time or energy to put on an episode last week. So sorry, but I'm back today and I am ready to talk about some spooky, scary shit. So today we are going to be talking about the Jekyll Island Clubhouse, which if you don't know, Jekyll Island is a small island off of Georgia and the clubhouse has sat there since about 1887. And there are quite a few stories of paranormal activity or past guests sticking around. Now, I've never personally stepped inside of the clubhouse, but I have been around the outside of it quite a few times. Jekyll Island was one of those places that we always vacationed as a kid. And if you know anything about Jekyll Island, you know that it's a very small island where most people just bike around. So I would bike around that clubhouse area a lot. And I was obsessed with learning about all the ghost stories on the island. The island has a super creepy history. If you want me to do a full episode on the island, I totally will. But for today, we're just going to talk about the clubhouse. Also, because this place is called the Jekyll Clubhouse, I am absolutely going to slip in this episode and call it the Jekyll Hyde Clubhouse. And I just need you to be okay with that, all right? Don't mention it. It didn't happen. Because I don't feel like going back and editing it out. So the Jekyll Clubhouse is a four-star hotel that currently houses 134 rooms and was built in 1887. In 1896 and in 1917, three resorted cottages were also built on the property. The three cottages were named the Sansuski Cottage, the Crane Cottage, and the Cherokee Cottage. The Cherokee Cottage has this beautiful three-arch double front doors and tons of light and spacious great rooms. And the Crane Cottage has a landscape with a sunken garden and fountains and upper terrace. I mean, these places are just gorgeous. In 1978, the Jekyll Island Clubhouse became a National Historic Landmark and more recently was named a Historic Hotel of America by the National Trust for Historic Preservations. A lot of buildings on Jekyll Island are underneath the National Trust for Historic Preservations, which I believe would lead to the island being as haunted as I truly believe it is. So in order to build the clubhouse in 1885, the founding members grouped together and created plans to the most exclusive hunting club and vacation site for extremely wealthy people. And sure, maybe nowadays this place is just a regular old hotel used for vacationing and business meetings, but back in the day, if you didn't have a shit ton of money, you weren't invited there. So it didn't exactly start off on a friendly foot. The clubhouse flourished for many years until the 1930s when the Great Depression hit, because, you know, nobody had any money to vacation to a place like this. Over half of the members of the board ended up dropping out from funding this clubhouse. And eventually, when World War II came around, that finally closed the doors to the clubhouse because they were afraid that enemy subs could lurk just off of the coast of Jekyll Island, 
So the federal government ordered a complete evacuation off the island until the war was over. Up until that point, the island was an island on itself and not part of the state of Georgia. Until 1947, when the state of Georgia bought the entire island for $675,000 and turned it into what it is today, which is a state park. Yes, literally the entire island is a state park. Several of the old Jekyll Island Club properties, as well as the main clubhouse, were made available as lease properties, but nowadays have been fully restored and you can go and stay there right now. So let's talk about some of the ghosts that haunt this clubhouse. A man named J. Pierre Morgan was one of three members who built the Sands Cottage. This cottage is where he and his family members would vacation often, and this cottage was huge, you guys. This is like a three-story cottage, okay? I'm not talking like a little witch cottage in the woods. On the third story was a beautiful balcony, which offered a fantastic view of the Jekyll Island River. This was Morgan's favorite spot to sit and smoke every morning. And to this day, people still say that Morgan sits on that balcony and smokes his favorite cigar. Guests who wake up early say that they smell the cigars when they walk outside. Some people even report that they'll see an apparition of a man in the room and then it just disappears the second that they notice he's there. General Lloyd Aspen was one of the original members of the Jekyll Club. And he was really excited because he was about to step up and be the president of the club. But unfortunately, he passed away a year before the club opened. The Aspen Wall Room is where General Lloyd would like to hang out. And it has the best view out of any room on the property. And General Lloyd is just one of many of the apparitions that people have been seeing around the hotel. But he specifically likes to hang out in the Aspen Wall Room. Then we have Samuel Spencer. He was the Southerner Railroad Company president, and he adored staying at the Jekyll Island Club. He always requested that a copy of the Wall Street Journal would be brought up to his room first thing in the morning. He also enjoyed drinking coffee while he read. Just a good old-fashioned man with his newspaper and coffee in the morning. Unfortunately, in 1906, Samuel would pass away when a train that he was riding collided with an oncoming train in the opposite direction. To this day, it's said that Samuel still likes to stay in that room, and if you happen to rent out that room, he might just come by and drink your coffee and flip through your newspaper. There's also an unknown bellhop apparition. This bellhop is still wearing his uniforms from the 1920s. He's known to knock on the doors of newlyweds on their honeymoon and offer the groom a new pressed suit, just before he vanishes. He's mostly been seen on the second floor. He knocks ever so gently and then announces his deliveries before disappearing. Guests would go to the front desk to ask who the polite bellhop was, and they would tell them that nobody here was staffed who looked like that. I also feel it's important to mention that all of these past employees or people who would stay here were all very well paid and very well treated according to everything I could find. Because sometimes when you're having these stories of these apparitions or ghostly figures from the past, people assume it's because they're haunting the place just because it was a shitty place to work or something. It doesn't seem like that was the case here. In 1917, Edwin Gold's son, Edward Gold Jr., was out hunting with a friend. It would be where the Jekyll Island toll booth stands today, which personally has always given me an eerie feeling and knowing the story, crazy. Edwin found a raccoon in one of his traps, but didn't want to ruin the skin, apparently, so he used the butt of his shotgun to finish the little raccoon. It makes me really sad. I'm sorry. 
But I guess he got karma for doing that because as he was using the butt of the gun to hurt this animal, the gun went off, shooting Eddie in the lower abdomen. A few days later, he would end up succumbing to these wounds. His family was so overcome with grief that they abandoned their cottage on the island. Today, all that remains of the cottage is just the entrance and the steps guarded by two stone lions. Eddie's grandmother also lived on a cottage on the island. Apparently, her grandson would bring her roses every now and again, and it was a really special thing, and he would always bring them around dusk. Well, nowadays, visitors of the island say that if you go around dusk, you can smell the roses around the Cherokee cottage, as if Eddie Jr. is just bringing his grandmother roses from the grave. There's also a cemetery on the island that was actively used from 1790 to 1886, and more than a few island natives were buried in that cemetery. In this cemetery is mostly just the family members of some of the homes around there, but there's also two smaller graves. There's these two small headstones that stand near the back of the cemetery. They're kind of hidden behind two trees, but the stones are marked of two former hotel employees who drowned in the swimming pool in 1912. Reportedly, this cemetery, when you take photos in it, will show different orbs and possibly apparitions. Now we're going to talk about a story from 1910 that surrounds a man named William Hart. He was an assistant superintendent in charge of maintaining and protecting the island's wildlife from the hunters. Which doesn't make a lot of sense considering the Jekyll Island Clubhouse was for hunters. Anyway, when Hart was patrolling the beach one night, he came across two poachers who were stealing turtle eggs, which is a huge problem, by the way. If you've ever been on Jekyll Island, there's a whole museum dedicated to turtles and their rehabilitation, and it's super cool. I've been many times. I love it. I love what they do. It's great. Stop being assholes to turtles. Stop being assholes to every animal. Stop being assholes to every living thing. You know what? That should just be a t-shirt. Stop being assholes to every living thing. So when Hart confronted these two poachers, unfortunately, they decided to kill Hart with a gunshot. And this was on Driftwood Beach, which has always given me such eerie vibes, and not just because this beach was used on The Walking Dead, okay? This beach has all of these huge trees that have been washed up from the shore, and they stand so creepily. It always feels like someone's watching you on that beach, and I never knew why. I guess now I know. Maybe Hart is just looking out for me and the turtles. Apparently, if you go to Driftwood Beach, you're not only going to see his apparition, but you'll see footprints in the sand that will lead to nobody. So let's get into some modern day stories of seeing and hearing weird shit in this hotel, because I can't tell you the amount of stories I found. Generally, in all of the stories, guests have reported bad feelings, sleeping with the lights on, and extreme nightmares. One story that I found was a businessman who said that he had violent dreams about being killed and choked while he was staying in this hotel. He claims that he would wake up gasping for air as if somebody was choking him. This guy ended up being so freaked out after three or four nights of constant nightmares that he ended up checking out at three in the morning. And when his business fellows texted him asking where he was for breakfast, he said, oh, I'm having breakfast in Atlanta. This is the story that really gave me chills. Okay, so buckle up. This is a story I found on Reddit. I'm going to try and link it below if you want to read the full thing, but I'm just going to tell you the bullet points of all the crazy shit that happened. 
So this girl was nine years old when they took a family trip and stayed in the clubhouse. First things first, when they open up the door to the hotel room, it doesn't just walk into two beds in the bathroom like we're all used to. It opens to a staircase. As they walk up the staircase, they walk into what we all know as a normal looking hotel room. And on the other side of the wall is a little pull-out couch room for the daughter to stay in. Immediately before they even set their bags down, everybody hears this door creaking, sounding like somebody just opened one of the doors. They assume that there was some kind of draft or something in the room since they had just walked in, and it was some kind of linen closet. The only problem is, is that there was no closet in that room. And they claim that the noise was coming from a brick wall. They also said that they're a huge Diet Coke family. I get it. One of my sisters is a huge Diet Coke family. I have been a Diet Coke person in the past. I understand and I judge none. But they said that they open up this 12-pack of Diet Coke and immediately the first one they open is completely flat. All right, that's kind of weird. Why don't you just pull out a second one? Also flat. Third one? Also flat. So they're wondering what the hell happened to these Cokes. Let's go check the ones in the car that we bought at the same time. The ones in the car were perfectly carbonated. So the Reddit user's theory is that whenever they walked into the room, the energy drained the carbonation out of the sodas. Now, I don't know if I believe that or not, but it is super interesting to think about. Also, all of their electronics would die instantly. They tell this story of grabbing their mom's phone to play a game after it had just been plugged in for a full charge. And immediately as they sat down, they watched the battery go from 100 to zero. So at one point, the parents had left this nine-year-old in the room. And keep in mind, this was early 2000s when this was a little more common. I'm not saying it's right, but it wasn't like 2020, but still, anyway. So she tells the story of sitting on the bed and hearing the toilet flushing when she knows she's the only one in the room. So she walks into the next room to sit on her parents' bed where she can watch the toilet and says that she stared it down for about 20 minutes until she physically saw the handle push down on its own and flush. So after this, she was a little freaked out, but decided that whatever, I know what it is now, I'll just go back to my room and sit and play and do whatever, you know, a nine-year-old does. But this time, they heard the toilet flush a third time. And after it, they heard children laughing next to them. Ugh, creepy. I can't. Ugh, there's nothing grosser than ghosts, let alone child ghosts. Like, ugh, no, no. So she didn't tell her parents what had happened with the toilet. She just kind of let it live and went along with her day. So that night, as they're all trying to go to bed, she's doing that thing where, you know, you're pretending to sleep just so your parents don't realize that you're actually awake so you can hear the tea that's going on between the parents. Yeah, she was doing that because all three of them hear somebody running above them. And I mean full-on sprinting away from a serial killer running on top of them, which wouldn't be that weird, right? Like, you hear people running down the hallways of hotels all the time. Only problem is, they were on the top floor, meaning whoever was running was running on the rooftop. Immediately, she hears her parents go, holy shit underneath their breath as they hear these insane footsteps above them. And almost immediately after, a security guard is banging on their door. The father goes and opens up the door and security tells them, hey, can you get your kids to stop running around up here? We're having complaints. Immediately, the parents are like, we only have one kid and she's asleep right now. The security officer just sighed and said, I can't say this hasn't happened before. Do you know how fast I would leave? I would leave as fast as Atlanta, dude. I would be that person that's like, no, I'm having breakfast right now. 
eight hours away. Leave me alone. So the next day, the whole family is down at the pool trying to relax, and the nine-year-old ends up going back up to the room to get something, but her key card isn't working. So she goes back down to the security and says like, hey, I need help. So she goes back down to the front desk and tries to get a new key. And when the front desk follows her upstairs, they discover that the deadbolt that can only be locked from the inside had been thrown with no one inside the hotel room. And when I say there was absolutely no way to get in, I mean they had to take the door off the hinges, like completely off the fucking wall in order to get back in the room. So everyone's pretty creeped out, but they're all thinking we only have two days left. Let's just get through this. So that night while sleeping, the nine-year-old feels somebody crawling into her bed. Immediately, she just wants to assume that it's her parents coming to kiss her goodnight, but she has a really bad feeling. After trying to ignore it, she's jolted awake by a very loud, violent sound and immediately sprung open her eyes to see a six-foot hooded figure standing at the end of her bed. Of course, like any logical person, she screams bloody fucking murder at the top of her lungs. I get it, girl. And her parents run in to comfort her, while all three of them begin to hear an evil laughter and the same footsteps running above their head. Oh my, I literally just got chills all over my body, you guys. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even just trying to make this scary. Actual fucking chills. That is so fucking creepy. And to this day, the resort still stands and is available to rent a room in right now. I couldn't find any full story, but the woman who wrote this story says that one of her friends was staying in the castle room. There's like this tower castle and they were staying at the top of there and apparently they had the most insane stories from up there. I want more stories about this place. I feel like there has to be so many more ghost stories that just nobody talks about or they just mark it off to be something else. But the amount of energy and almost like evil vibes coming from this place, I just, ooh, it creeps me out. And I'm not gonna lie, the whole island has that kind of creepy haunted vibe to begin with, and you have the ocean right there. It's just, oh, it is a mix of a perfect storm. I want to know what you guys think. Have you ever traveled to Jekyll Island? Have you ever been to the clubhouse? Have you seen the clubhouse? Have you ever had a ghostly experience to begin with? Anywhere. I want to know about it. I want to talk about it because this shit creeps me the fuck out. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button and you hit the notification bell so you're told when I post a new episode every Monday and Thursday. And you better be here on Monday, you guys, because we are covering a murder. Well, actually, multiple murders, but that's all I'm going to say for now. As always, my name is Audie, and this has been Audie's Oddities.